Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Aaron Listening Neville with Hercules. Colour. Grace it was too. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musician shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Tim Fung, all the way from the other side of the world. That's Australia to you and me. Founder and CEO of Airtasker, a digital marketplace connecting people who need work done with trusted local people who want to work. While Tim was working as a consulting talent agent in Sydney, his boss and mentor asked him to help develop a new business, the budget mobile network Amazon. The experience, Tim says, was an MBA in how to grow a startup. The idea for his own company came in 2011. Needing help to move apartments, Tim asked a friend who ran a frozen chicken nugget business, we're getting very precise here, if he could use his truck. Tim realised there was no fit-for-purpose way to connect with people in your community who can help with these sorts of tasks. But rather than using reluctant friends or family, what if you could outsource work to people looking to earn extra money? Tim and co-founder Jonathan Louis launched Airtasker in Australia in 2012 and has since expanded into Ireland, New Zealand, Singapore, the UK and the US. Their 5.7 million registered global users benefit from, as Tim says, their infinitely horizontal model, allowing for unlimited types of tasks such as graphic design, bike assembly, accounting, architecture and, of course, the all-important spider removal. Tim Fung is my business shaper. We've flown him all the way, especially here for a Jazz Shapers special from Australia to the UK and, of course, globally now. He's the co-founder of Airtasker, and you were hearing about them when I just spoke about that business. It's great to have you here, a whistle-stop tour, but I've got you. Frozen nuggets. It's funny how things happen in your life that then prompt big thoughts. At the time, was it the natural thing, Tim, that you went, I'm going to fix this? Is that you? Are you a fixer? Well, I think that, you know, when you're starting a company, it's really good to start with a problem that you've perceived and, you know, something that you've experienced and you want to fix. The reason why I think that's good is because it holds you accountable to making sure there's real value in the company that you're producing. You know, you know that you're fixing a problem and that was really important for us. So I think at the time, you know, we were definitely, Jono and, and myself, were definitely looking for, you know, what's something that we could do to start a company. We wanted to start a company, but, you know, having that problem for yourself is really important too. I love that you wanted to start a company. Most people don't want to start a company. Why do, why do you, Tim, want to start a company? Why did Jono, I love it, we're so Australian here, why did Jono want to start a company as well? What is it about starting a company that appeals? I think um, starting a company is, you know, the manifestation of uh, solving a problem and having an impact on, on the world. It's one way to do that. There's lots of other ways that you can shape the world, whether it's doing something in the arts or, you know, playing sport or, or anything like that. But I think starting a company, starting a business is, is something that really appealed to both Jono and I. Um, we had kind of done a, a startup before with Amasim. That was something where we got to learn, you know, without the pressure of being the the founders, where everything counted on us. It was a great place to learn. And then we, uh, we wanted to jump out and, and do it on our own. But when you started work, and, I, and I've read that you worked at Macquarie, Asset Manager, you've, you've done this talent agent thing as well. I mean, these are fun. These are very different things. Macquarie is a serious, serious business. Talent agency, not so serious, but fun. Serious work goes behind the, the puff, as it were, of, of managing important and, and famous people and the like. Did you always know it was going to be your thing that you were going to have your own business? Or did it emerge once you said, I don't want to work for somebody else? And I need uh, the truth, Tim. Yeah, no, I, I, think, um, I think the truth is actually always the best way. So 
certainly when I was working at Macquarie, didn't even occur to me that people started their own business and that's something that you did. I, I'd been to uni, did a commerce degree at University of New South Wales, and then went straight into a sort of graduate job in an investment bank and did that for five years. So that was kind of my my norm. And it's interesting because I think we're going through a bit of a financial crisis or economic uh, crash at the moment. And it was in the last crash that I left Macquarie. My whole team was made uh, redundant from MatCap Advisors, which was the department I worked for. And um, at that point, I was like, you know, do I want to continue working in banking or like, do I want to go and do something interesting? And so that was the genesis for going to work for, for the modeling agency, Chic Management. And I think the interesting thing there was that I, I offered to work for them for no money. I was like, hey, I'll, uh, I'll just come and do a bunch of work for you. Give me a chance for a couple of months and I'll, I'll show that I can do something for you. And I was really fortunate that the founder of the agency was a, a woman named Ursula Hufnagel, who was one of the most famous eyes for talent in the world. She found Miranda Kerr and a bunch of other sort of Victoria's Secret models and stuff like that. And so I got the opportunity to work with her, but it was because I didn't really care about making money and just wanted to learn something. In your own words, tell me what Airtasker is. I kind of explained, but I want you to. Airtasker is a marketplace for local services. And really simply, we just connect people who need work done with people who want to work. That is ridiculously simple. Within that... Am I right in thinking that your own thought about how that's going to work? Because I've, I've, we've all encountered businesses like that before, and we've all had those issues with needing to move house or getting something fixed in the garden or whatever it might be. Am I right in thinking that the purpose now for this in your own head has become as much about, if not more, about those people with skills looking to earn a living as it is for the person like me looking to have a problem solved? Because obviously you said, I started my business, there was a problem to fix, but it feels like it's morphed a little bit in your own head at least. Yeah, so when we um, started the company, it was all about creating a convenient service to, you know, be able to connect with people and get some stuff done. But then after a, a few years, we were spending time in the Airtasker community, my co-founder Jono and I, and we would meet people and they would tell us about how they were made redundant from their job and they were using Airtasker to make ends meet or that they were, you know, saving up to, to go through a, a university degree using Airtasker to do that. And around about the same time, you know, we were hearing about, you know, some of these ride-sharing apps saying, you know what, we want to automate the, the, the drivers. If we get rid of the drivers, we just get rid of them tomorrow. And that really made us stop and think about which side of the marketplace do we want to serve? And we, at that point, reoriented the whole business around a new mission statement to empower people to realize the full value of their skills. When was that, Tim? Uh, that was in about 2014. Okay, so a couple of years after. Because at that time, people were talking about the sharing economy. They were talking about technology as a platform, literally and metaphorically, as a place to bring people together. Did that help you stand out? Because then we'll move to 2021 when you then float the business. But is that, do you think, the driving force behind why Airtasker garnered investment and why it has become the platform it's become? Yes, I think it, uh, it totally is. To, to be there to support workers and to be able to uh, help workers be able to monetize their skills is something that's completely new, I think, to, to this space. One of the things that we believe at Airtasker is that literally every single person has unique skills and we want to be there to help them monetize their skills, to be able to make an income from the skills that they have. By really aligning ourselves with, with the workers on our platform, it's just taken away a lot of that sort of friction that um, you know, has been felt before where people are unhappy with the way companies have treated gig economy workers and things like that. And we think about Airtasker as building the flexible labor economy. We're genuinely saying 
all of our workers have skills. We want to help them be able to monetize their skills. They determine the work they're going to do. They determine the price at which they're, they're going to do that work for. And we're here, just here to support them. And how many people do support them? How many people are in the business now working in the Airtasker team? So we have about 250 people in our organization, you know, a significant amount in uh, product design and engineering, a lot in customer service. But what I think is interesting is that Airtasker is true embodiment of a marketplace. We connect customers directly uh, with Taskers on our platform and, and we don't get in between and try to you know, handle things or, or move things around. It, it's truly a relationship built between a customer and a Tasker. And I think that's really powerful. He's wearing an Airtasker t-shirt and Tim also comes bearing gifts with Airtasker bags, everything. Obviously, it's, you know, it's a pretty important thing to you. The skills, you talked about everyone has their individual skills and you want to help them do what they do and earn money on their own terms. What would your 250 people say is Tim Fung's super skill? I think they would say that I'm the eternal optimist in the company. So, you know, no matter how hard things get, whether it's an economic crisis or whether it's a labor shortage that we've just been through or whether it's COVID, you know, optimism and confidence is probably the thing that's helped me to get through. And, you know, I use that to motivate and, and support our team to do their jobs. And that sunny disposition, where's it from, Tim? Is this a, is this a mum dad thing? My mother is probably the most optimistic person uh, that you'll ever meet. She's never said a bad thing about anyone. She's always looking at the positive. And for that reason, you know, when they asked me, who wants to ring the bell at the ASX? You know, is it going to be your, your, your board of directors or other people that work in the company? I said, um, can I get my mum to ring the bell? And the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, said yes. And so it was me and my mum ringing the bell a couple of years ago. So this is just to be clear for people that don't know, when you when you go public, you literally, and they do it in the London Stock Exchange, well, someone rings the bell when the company floats, when the company starts offering public shares. And that, that was your mum. That was my mum. And uh, so, you know, she had the streamer cannons and uh, and all of that uh, on her. So that was, that was a really, really good moment. We need to post pictures of that. We need to find those brilliant stuff. Stay with me for much more from my guest today. It's Tim Fung, co-founder of Airtasker, and he brought his mum to ring the bell. Pretty good. We'll be hearing a lot more from Tim in a couple of moments. But first, we're going to hear a clip from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mish Gondorea's Tom Grogan, he's also CEO of MDR Xtech, is talking about Web 3.0, the next iteration of the internet, I'm sure you know that, and what businesses and individuals need to be thinking about when formulating their Web 3 strategies and pursuing valuable and impactful projects. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. How do NFTs fit into conversations about Web 3? So NFT stands for non-fungible token. So in this Web3 reality, where people are able to transact value, value is represented in the form of of tokens. All an NFT is, is a non-fungible token. Non-fungible meaning it's not readily exchanged for others having the exact same value. So the the classic example there is, if you, Sean, lend me £10, you are probably relaxed as to whether or not I pay you back with a £10 note, two £5 notes, or 10 £1 coins, because ultimately they are fungible with each other, they are readily exchanged. If you were to lend me a piece of artwork, you probably wouldn't be happy for me to give you back another artwork that I tell you has an equivalent value, because you probably attach meaning to that unique asset. So NFTs are important if Web3, as we currently imagine it, is to become a reality because it allows us to not just transact fungible things, i.e. money, but non-fungible things, unique goods. 
artwork and others. The Mishkan Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishkan.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, use it and ask it to play Jazz Shapers. And there you'll find a taste of our recent shows. But back to today, it's Tim Fung, co-founder of Airtasker, a digital marketplace connecting people who need work done with trusted local people who want to work. I want to do your voiceovers. I think it feels like, a, feels like an advert over here. It's a long time, joking aside, to go from 2012 to launching 2014, a sharpening of the mission, and you going, hold on a minute, I think it's for those people over there offering the services as much as it is to get them, to this thing called a float, to this thing called ringing the bell and your mum up there and all of that joy. How did you hold in there? How did you tuck in as the pack went through the bell at 400 metres with another 400 to go? What was it that kept you going, Tim? Well, I think the main thing is that, and, and I mean this in like the deepest possible way, which is I think it's important to be building something that you believe is valuable or impactful to, you know, to the community or, you know, to other people's lives. And the reason for that is because you're going to go through crap. You know, when you, when you lead a, a big company, there's a lot of people issues, a lot of heartache, you know, hiring people, firing people, making decisions that impact people in a good way or a bad way. And um, to be able to get up and, and do that consistently, I think it requires a fair bit of conviction in, in what you're doing. And so I think it's just important to, to be building something that you, you truly do believe in. And I know a lot of founders might say that, or entrepreneurs say that in, in these things, like, oh, just do something you love. I think that is really, really true. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you sat on a mountain and it was the most important visionary thing. It's more just like you know that you're creating value and you're doing something that's good. And when you're creating value and doing something that's good, obviously there are things, as you just implied, that, that you don't like doing, like letting go of people. How have you squared those circles at the time? Because obviously it's in the interest of the business. You, you will, you know, that's the position you're going to take. But I imagine you didn't much like letting people go. Oh, you? no. I think, I think if there's one thing anyone would, would truly sort of fear or feel anxious about or stressed about in running a business, it's the people issues. And I think most importantly are issues that impact people negatively. You know, whether it's not being able to do salary rises that people want or not being able to give someone that promotion that they want or, you know, in the worst case scenario, having to let people go. Those are the honestly the hardest things. And so I definitely wouldn't take away from the impact that people are feeling during layoffs and things like that. But I can, I can just honestly say from the bottom of my heart, in both directions, um, the people who have to make those hard decisions, it, it really sucks for those um, people as well. And the Tim Fung strategy for dealing with stuff like that? I think the main thing is to take your medicine, make sure that you actually follow through, do those hard things. Because if you don't, if you don't take that medicine and you try to push things, we call it like kicking the can down the road, that's the worst thing you can do because although it might not be painful today, it's going to create more problems further down the line and, and there's nothing worse than that. It's really hard at the moment, as you, you've alluded to, with, with regard to um, people wanting to invest, with regard to technology businesses not making profits or not making big enough profits. What does success look like now? We always talk about metrics and obviously everyone wants to make profit and obviously everyone wants to grow and people talk about compound annual growth rate and that's what your investors are going to be Ah, the CAGA, yes, we, we've got to stick it up there at 15% and all those other things. But for you, how do you set realistic, because you strike me as a guy who tells the truth, how do you set realistic metrics and then how do you stick to them? 
I think the first thing is um, in the current environment, I think, you know, we've gone from a crazy 2021 where it was probably over-exuberance and I, I wasn't even across all of this, but, you know, some companies were getting valued at 100 times revenue or like infinite times revenue, basically. And we've gone from that to 2022 and 23, where it's the opposite and people are demanding, show me the free cash flow. You know, you're nothing if you don't have cash flow. And I think what's really important is to not whipsaw back and forth between those two views because the world changes back and forth. And I think what's really important is to be steadfast on um, just building a company and doing what's right for the underlying business that you're building. So when it comes to, to metrics, I think we've definitely moved from, hey, growth at all costs, you know, do, do whatever you want as long as it's going to, you know, grow the top line. But we haven't whipsawed all the way to cut everything unless it makes a big profit, because I don't think that's right either. We want to take a balanced approach and, and do what's right for building the business. So mm. um, we've certainly been more disciplined in cost management, um, certainly slowed down things like hiring. But we don't want to go all the way back into the hole and not be concerned about growth because I think whether it's two years away or five years away, the world is going to want companies to grow again at some point in the future. So don't want to you know, throw all of that away. And in terms of your own growth, many people start businesses and then stuff happens. You've got those different phases that you've, you've touched on the growing pains and obviously to go from you know, a small business in well, as a business with no turnover in 2012 to fighting for investment to then floating the business. How have you ensured that you're the right guy to lead? Because you, we've read so many stories of that founder who just said, well, being a public company is not for me. Have you managed to square that circle? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, along the journey, you definitely have moments of, of self-doubt and, um, and you know, I've definitely, you know, consider, oh, is this the right job for me? Like, whether do I love it? You know, also, you tend to, as a CEO, get a lot of critical feedback. So that always um, makes you think as well, like, oh, geez, am I doing the, the right thing here? Um, and I've definitely, you know, teetered between full conviction and having self-doubt. But I think that over the years, what I have found is the most important thing is to be able to be adaptive and, and reflective of the situation. And as far as I've come along this journey so far, I feel pretty high conviction that, that I'm the right person to run the company. But certainly that might change um, in the future. But the self-doubt, it sounds like you've harnessed it, which is uh, we all have self-doubt and, and, and you just happen to be on the, in the firing line, as it were, because you're now the CEO of a, of a publicly listed company. How have you managed to harness that self-doubt? Because it's, it's that waking up in the morning at 4.30 or 5 going, whoa, hold on a minute, this is pretty heavy stuff. How do you come through that the other side and still retain that positivity, which evidently you have? Well, I think, um, you know, I mentioned before about just uh, believing in, in what you do and the, the mission and the, the impact that you can have on um, the community and, and users of, of your product. That's the most important thing. And I think for Airtasker, the fortunate thing is that it's a really simple business model. And so we see taskers and we meet taskers every day who tell you, hey, this is the thing that I use to, to create an income. One of the stats that, you know, I shared with the company a few months ago was that Airtask has now put over $428 million um, into the pockets of our taskers. That's excluding our fees. That's excluding, you know, the way we make money. That's the money that's gone in successfully to our taskers. And that goes to, you know, paying their rent, buying groceries, things like that. And to me, that was kind of like mind-blowing kind of impact. And, and that's what we're here to do. Stay with me for my final chat with Tim Fung. And we've also got some snarky puppy for you here on Jazz FM. That's all come up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, 
but it's personal. I am only with my guest today, Tim Fung, just for a few more minutes, so I've, I've got to use them wisely. The future, it's a big old place, Tim. It goes stretches forever and ever, as far as you can see. What's it going to look like for you for the next three to five years and for Airtasker? What's the hope? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, we, as a company, we're really investing more into our technology platform, so... A lot of our investment goes into software engineering, product design to just keep fine-tuning the marketplace and the, and the platform that we've built, particularly to make it more trusted and reliable. So we're really trying to make it a trustworthy platform. On the sort of expansion side, though, we're also expanding internationally. So our marketplace here in London is in the earlier stages compared to Australia. It's in that very early part. So we're scaling here in the UK. I'm also spending a lot of time in the US and scaling first into Los Angeles in the US, so that's pretty exciting too. A fine city indeed, lots of people. You like people things, don't you? I mean, it, it feels like all the things you turned your hand to have been have, had a consumer edge to them. It feels like this is, of course, everyone needs a helping hand, so just thinking about the market receiving the service. That can only get bigger, right, as people look for cost-effective ways of solving things and not buying new stuff. So you must have wonderful trajectories in your head about where this business can go. Yeah, I think um, the reason why I like working in consumer and especially in a platform that enables other people to create the content and, and be able to do their thing is that it's much bigger than just yourself. So, you know, it's not me or anyone else at Airtasker coming up with how should we use this marketplace. It's literally that we wake up every morning, we refresh the feed and we check out the tasks and we're like, oh my gosh, like someone's using Airtasker to find a, a Prince Harry lookalike for their party or someone's using Airtasker to get a drone stuck out of a tree or remove a spider from their attic. Um, and so I think it's like really cool to see, you know, that it's much bigger than just what it is that I could imagine or any one of my uh, product folks can imagine. You're genuinely empowering people to do their thing. And obviously you still enjoy it. That was the other thing, I, you know, we, you touched on it, but... Is it as much fun as it was when you set this thing up? I think you've got to keep adjusting your role. Like as a founder, you should know what you're good at, what you're not good at. And generally, it's fun to do the things that you're good at and, and less fun to, to do the things that, you, that you're bad at. And so I think one of the, you know, the privileges that you get as being a founder of a company or the CEO is you can surround yourself with people to do the stuff that you're not so good at. Um, and as long as you can hold them accountable and you know, support them to do their jobs well, you don't have to do it yourself. You know, I've got an incredible team around me who who genuinely takes all the hard stuff off my plate. And I think they enjoy doing the work it is because, you know, that's the career that they've pursued. And so a bit of a win-win. And pride. I imagine your mum is very proud of you. Yeah, my mum. My mum's pretty stoked. Um, yeah, but I think she'd be kind of happy with whatever I was doing. You know, I mentioned she's the internal optimist. So, um, you know, she'd probably be happy if I was the, the garbage uh, removalist uh, or, or whether I was doing what I'm doing. So... Yeah, fortunate that way too. It's been great chatting to you. Good luck. Safe travels when you make your way back to the other side of the planet. I hope you go well. Just before I let you disappear there, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? I've chosen uh, Charles Mingus, the uh, Haitian fight song. And the reason I chose it is because it's from Jerry Maguire, a movie that my wife and I love a lot because it's about a guy following his passions and, you know, following a mission statement. Charles Mingus Quintet there with Haitian Fight Song, the song choice of my business shaper today, Tim Fung. He talked about being the eternal optimist, and that is exactly what he's been over the last 10 years since his business was born. He talked about taking your medicine and how over that journey it's been really important to do the things he's needed to do to ensure that the business doesn't just survive, but it thrives. 
And finally, that lovely thought that he is a person of conviction and that the business is a business of conviction. It believes in impact and how the focus and putting the lens on the providers of the service rather than just the receivers of the service has ensured that literally millions of pounds worth of value has been created for many, many, many people. Great stuff. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.